Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast for Mount Hope's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian, I pastor that location, and it's good to talk to you again. What is more important to you? What people say or what they do? I think for many of us, we would say it's people's actions that matter most, that what they do proves that what they say is true. But when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, the balance between what we say we believe and the actions that we do is a bit of a tricky thing. When it comes to salvation, how much does what we do matter and how much does what we believe and say we believe matter? It's a question that's been asked for hundreds of years and it's a question we're going to talk about today. So I hope you listen closely and I hope you enjoy this because I believe God has something he would like to say to you. So for the last couple of summers, my wife Lori and I have taken our family uh, to a camp that's located in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York. It's a Christian camp. Uh, it's a great time. We, we enjoy the, the fellowship with other believers. We enjoy the speaking. We enjoy the music. It's a, great, it's a great time. Two years ago, when I went for the very first time in 2017, I, we didn't know much about the camp or what, or what went on. And I found, uh, I found out when I got there that the camp throughout the week has their own version of a triathlon. Everyone knows what triathlon is, right? You have, you have the um, swimming followed by a bike ride followed by a run. And so they have their own version of a triathlon. It's not the swimming, biking, and running, but it's a canoe race. It's a two-mile canoe race followed by a half-mile swim. Uh, there's this beautiful two-mile lake that the camp is located on. They do a half-mile swim, and then you, do, you run a 5K, well, some of the people that we went to the camp with that invited us, they were all doing the triathlon. I thought to myself, well, I'll do the triathlon too. Like, I can, this is no problem. I can handle this, this triathlon, no problem. Now, I didn't really take into account the fact that I haven't swam a half mile since ever. I don't think I've ever swam a half mile. And much less, I don't think I've ever done that in, in a lake in those sorts of conditions. And I found out very quickly that there's something very different between enjoying time in a swimming pool and swimming for a half mile where there's waves and wind and fish and other people uh, in all around you. And so what we did was I entered the canoe race, and after the canoe race, there were 32 boats, and I, we were in fourth place after the canoe race, two and a half miles in the canoe in fourth place. Now, we were the only people over 12 years old, but that's not true. That's not true. There were, it was all adults. We were in fourth place, fourth place after the canoe race. And so then we got to the swim, and about 15 seconds into the swim, I immediately regretted my decision. The water was freezing cold up in the mountains. There were all sorts of people around me. I'd never had that experience before, but you see it on TV when people are in triathlons, and this was a relatively small group, probably 50 or 60 people, but everyone's kicking and, and, and touching each other like in the water, like they're, they're doing their strokes, and everyone's bumping into each other. I didn't like that at all. And then there's the, the water and the fish, and every time I went to take a breath, it was just lake water all in my face. I didn't, no part of it was fun. And so it took me about 30 seconds to just bail out of the whole thing. And I had to sit on the sand on the sideline and watch. And as I watched, I got more and more discouraged because uh, very few people quit uh, the swim. I thought when I quit that everyone would be quitting. This was way too hard. But very few people quit. And I thought to myself in that moment, I'm never going to do this again. Like, I'm never going to not finish this thing. So I made a vow right then and there that for the next year, 
I was going to train and I was going to be ready so that the year after I could do that swim. So this year in August, I went back to Camp of the Woods. And we got to the camp and I, the triathlon was in my mind. I believed that I was going to do it. I believed that it was going to happen. And so we got to the canoe race. And we got to the canoe race. And in the canoe race, we finished the canoe race, 30-some boats. And guess what place we were in? First place. That's right. First place. And if you don't believe me, my canoeing partner, Matt, is right there. All right? So Matt can testify that the story is true. We're first place coming out of the canoe race. We were in great position. Now, let me ask you at this point in my story, what's more important to you? Is it more important that I tell you that I believe that I'm going to finish the swim? Or is it more important what I actually did? Which one are you more interested in? Because I believe, I can tell you 100%, I believe that I'm going to make the swim at this point. I bought new goggles throughout the months, and I was ready to go. I believe that I was going to finish the swim. What's more important to you right now in the story? That I did it, right? Did I? You stick around to the end of the sermon, I'll let you know. But this, there's, there's this thing in our life where we can believe certain things and say certain things about ourselves and, and, and faith in things. But what we actually do is also very important. And this is true in our relationship with God and, and, and when it comes to salvation. Right? We can say that we believe certain things. We can say we believe certain things. But also what we actually end up doing with our life and what we do with our time and energy is very important. And this is a really important question, okay, when it comes to salvation. This is something that the church has thought about for thousands of years, ever since Jesus Christ walked on the face of the earth. And even before that, in the Old Testament, with the people's relationship with God, the correlation between belief, what we say we believe, and action, what we actually do, is a conversation that has been important to the life of the church. We better get this one right. Because salvation is on the line. Our understanding of how work and how faith uh, relate with one another, how they interplay with one another, is very important. Because if we get it wrong, we could actually be jeopardizing our very relationship with, with God. And so the passage that we're going to look at this morning in the book of James, James talks about this. What is the role, what is the relationship between our actions, our work, and our faith. And this is an important question. I don't know how, how uh, excited you get about church history. Uh, in fact, most of you have already decided maybe you'd take a nap for a moment, but just stick with me for a moment. I want to talk about how important this question is. The reason, the reason that there's a Protestant church at all is because of this question. How does faith and works interplay with one another? So in 1517, when Martin Luther, on October 31st, uh, he took time away from going to his neighbor's house and getting candy, and he went and he posted 90, his 95 Thesis on the castle door at Wittenberg on October 31st, 1517. And Martin Luther did that because he was very concerned, very concerned that the church was putting too great an emphasis on works and not enough emphasis on faith. And because of that moment, the whole church split. And the very reason that we are gathering uh, separate from one another has to do around this question. And I only bring that up to say that this is a very important question for us to think about and to try to get right. There's really two ways that you can go on this. 
two ends of, of the extreme. And one is to say that what we do, our work, is much greater than what we say we believe or our faith. That's one place you could land here. Now, you would say, well, if I'm talking about salvation and I think what God cares about, I think God cares much more about what we do with our lives than what we actually believe. And I think by and large that this is, this is the viewpoint of our world that we live in. That most people, if you were to sit them down and say, tell me about what you think about God and who he's going to let into heaven and who he's not going to let into heaven, that most people who believe in a God, or they may say, I don't know if God exists, but if he does exist, this is how I think he works. I think he has something like a giant scale in heaven, and when you go to heaven, he takes all your good deeds and he puts them on one side, and he takes all your bad deeds and he puts them on the other side, and then we see where the scale goes, and if it, if it tips towards heaven, good deeds, you get to go into heaven. If it tips towards bad deeds, you know, maybe there's a trap door or something, and that's, and that's it. But this is, by and large, I think the, the view of God that most of us have, most of our world has. That God is just weighing the good and weighing the bad. And if you talk to people, they'll say, well, I mean, I'm a pretty good person. We all think we're good people. I'm a pretty good person. I'm not the worst person I've ever heard of. I'm not the worst person I know. So I think that when it comes to God, God cares a whole lot more about about what I do with my life and that I'm a good person uh, more than than what I say that I believe. The problem with this, the problem with this sort of conclusion, very quickly, there's two things. The first is, it really is an unfair system. If that's how God works, it sounds fair to us that God would weigh our good deeds against our bad deeds, and then we would decide whether or not we go to heaven. It's actually a very unfair system, because it causes us to live our life with no sense of security. We never know when we've made it. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves by the letter of the law, how much we actually sin and how much we break what God says to do, we really have some work to do to make sure that we've done enough good things to outweigh all of our bad things. And we got to hope that God excuses our bad actions the same way we excuse them in our own life so that at the end of the day, our good outweighs our bad. It's a very, uh, it's a very uh, unclear system, a cloudy system. How do you know if you've made it? How do you know if you've done enough? How do you know if you're going to get there and there's going to be enough good to outweigh the bad? That's the first challenge that you have with this sort of conclusion. The second challenge you have, if you're someone that says you believe in this book and follow God with your life, is this is the exact opposite of what the Bible actually teaches. That's how many of us approach God. That's how many of us in Sunday school and growing up were told God works. But the Bible actually says something very different. We could look at a passage, we could look at many passages, but we'll, this morning we're just going to look at what Paul said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Paul said this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. And then very clearly Paul says, It is not a result of works. Your salvation is not a result of works. It's not about you doing enough good things so that God smiles at you. It's not about you getting enough gold stickers on God's chart that he wants to have you with him in heaven. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. So then salvation at the end of the day is by faith, is is by faith through grace, I'm sorry, through grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is through grace, by faith, in Jesus Christ at the end of the day. That's what scripture 
teaches. And this is the good news of the gospel, that by believing, by believing in faith, you know exactly where you stand with God. There's no guessing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you put your trust in him, then you know that you have a relationship with God and that no matter what happens in this life, that you are saved. That's the good news of the gospel. In fact, I would say to you, I think this is the differentiating characteristic between the Christian faith and every other religion that's out there. Every, the common phrase is that all religions are the same, that they all point to the same thing. I would say no. Because Christianity points to a God who says, you can't do this on your own, so I will do it on your behalf. Every other belief system out there says you have to be good enough and impressive enough that God wants you on his team. Only in the Christian faith, only in the biblical faith, uh, is it said, there's really nothing that you can do to impress God. But God still loves you enough that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and to be raised again that you might have life in him. So trust not in your own work, trust in his work. And so very clearly the Bible says something different than the reality that, than the idea that it's all about our works and it's not about faith at all. But here's the thing. We have to be careful, you and I, in fact, many of us, uh, many of us, most of us, as I look across the room, have been in church for a while, all right? You wouldn't be up and in church at 9 o'clock if you weren't church people. Here you are. So we understand this. What I just said, most of us understand in the room this morning right now. But we have to be careful, and this is who James speaks to. We have to be careful that we don't make the exact same mistake in the opposite direction, that whereas we would say, yes, it's a, it's a mistake to say that works are what matters and faith doesn't matter. That all that matters is what you do and it doesn't matter what you believe. But we have to be careful that we don't make the same mistake in the opposite direction. Here's what James says. Here's what James says in chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. 
You see, James tells us that we ought to be careful. James speaks uh, to those of us that maybe have been in the church for a long time, and we've heard over and over and over again, it's not about works, it's about what Jesus did. It's not about you doing good things, it's about the fact that you put your trust and your belief in God. And James offers a warning to the people that he's writing to that are Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, scattered, and he offers us the same warning. He says, don't make the mistake Don't make the mistake of saying that faith is so much greater than your works. Don't make the same mistake in the opposite direction. Don't make the mistake of saying that all that matters is what I believe and what I do doesn't matter at all. James says there is a very important relationship between what you say that you believe and what you do. Every year uh, in Pamplona, Spain, there is the running of the bulls. Many of you, I'm sure you've heard about this, right? That for some reason, a bunch of people start running down a corridor, uh, and then they send bulls running down after them. And I'm not sure, it's not our best tradition that we have in the world, uh, but, they, but it's one that still happens. So a man named Bill Hillman, a man named Bill Hillman, uh, who was in his early 30s, was considered, he's a Chicago journalist, was considered an expert on the running of the bulls. He had even co-authored a book, How to Survive the Running of the Bulls, and that book was, was being sold. And finally, in 2014, a couple of years after he wrote his book, and he had studied the, the, the race, and he had studied Pamplona, and he studied all of these things, uh, he ran for himself. And what happened is, is there was, there was a 1,300-pound bull named Bravido uh, who didn't read his book. And this bull lagged behind the other ones, and he came charging through, and he gored uh, Bill Hillman and another man who was standing next to him. Now, they both lived, but their injuries were pretty severe. Now, if you're going to run the running of the bulls, if you're going to do this race, let me ask you a question. Do you want to read Bill Hillman's book, or would you go to a different book? You see, it wasn't just enough that someone, when someone says that they're an expert on something or they believe in something, it also matters what they're able to do. It's one thing to be an expert when you don't have to put anything into practice. It's another thing to be able to be judged on the work that you're doing. What matters more, the fact that someone's able to write a good book that has expert analysis or that someone is actually able to do something that backs up what they've written? And James is saying the exact same thing. What's, what's more important in your life, that you say that you believe in God, that you say that you believe in Jesus Christ, or that through your life, you're actually displaying that what you say you believe is true? You see, James doesn't say here that our works save us. He's not discounting what we read earlier. But he is saying to us that there is an important connection between how we're living our lives and what we say we believe. In fact, James says to us, If you say that you have faith, but you don't do anything with it, he has a very specific phrase for that. He says, your faith is dead. That's not faith. If you say you believe something, but I look at your life and there's there's nothing there that shows that, your faith is dead. And he gives some specific examples. He says, if you have someone among yourself, church, If you have someone among yourself, a brother and sister, and this is interesting, James is not saying if there's a need in the world. James is saying if there's a need among you, you have a brother or sister in Christ who is in need, and they come up to you and they say, I have this need, or they come up to you and they say, will you pray for me? 
And you say to them, either no, or how often have you done this? I'll pray for you. And then you don't. James says, what good is that? What good is that? If we have all of this faith and we say that we have faith, but then we don't live it out, especially in the context of the church, James asks the question, what good is that? It's like a, it's like a car, having a car that doesn't actually run, right? Or it's like maybe having food, donated food that never gets to someone who's hungry, or packing a suitcase and never traveling anywhere. It's like having a cure for a disease but never getting it to the people who needs it. It's like having a well with no water. It's like having a light bulb with no power. What as good as that, James is asking? What good is it for you just to say that you believe but have no works to back that up? James says very, very specifically that our works matter. And he uses two examples in this passage, and maybe you caught them. He uses two examples that would have been very familiar to his audience. And so maybe you don't know all the details of these stories, and we don't have time to get into all the details right now. But he brings up some Old Testament heroes to the Christians. And he says, think about Abraham. And some of you know the story of Abraham. He waited 100 years to have a son. And then God asked him to take his son Isaac and sacrifice him to God. Now, at the end of the day, God spared Abraham's son and provided a sacrifice in his place. But Abraham was willing to do it if God asked him to. And so James says, the fact that Abraham was willing to do what God asked him to do is as important as the fact that Abraham says that he believes in God. His actions prove that his faith is alive. And the same is true with Rahab. And if you were around back in February when we went through the story, when we went through the book of Joshua, you remember the story. Rahab was a prostitute living in the city of Jericho. And maybe you remember the story that the Israelites came and they marched around Jericho and the walls fell down. But Rahab both expressed belief in God and she acted on that belief by taking care of some Israelite spies before the city was, was put under siege. And because her faith and her actions came together, God spared her. And James is saying the same is true in your life and my life. That if we say we believe, then there better be some sort of action in our life that backs up what we're saying is true. And you say to me, well, what about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? What about Paul saying that it's, it's by faith that we are saved, that it's not of works so that no one could boast? Well, we ought not ignore the next verse. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then listen to what Paul says. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And James and Paul are saying the exact same thing. They just approach it a little bit differently. They're saying that you are saved through your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are saved and begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It is by God's grace. You can't earn that. You don't deserve it. And God gives it to you freely. But if 
you have taken that step of true belief, there will be in your life fruit and action that is consistent with what you say that you believe. So while the good works don't save you, if you are saved, you will do good works. At the end of the day, this is what James is saying to you and me. A working faith is a faith that works. A working faith is a faith that works. If your faith is not dead but alive and well, there will be both the verbal Peace that says, I believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and there will be the active peace in your life where you are doing the work that God has called you to do. Jesus said the exact same thing in John chapter 14. He said very simply to his disciples, if you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, here's the problem that you and I have. This is the big problem is no matter how hard we try, we can't fix it all on our own, can we? No matter how hard we try, we can't fix it on our own. Don't hear me this morning. If you walk out of the room this morning and you say, oh, the pastor just wants us to try harder to be better people, you've misheard me. Because no amount of trying harder is going to make you a better person. Not in God's eyes, at least. You may be able to kick a habit or change your action a little bit. But there's only one way to truly be transformed in our lives so that what we say we believe matches up with what we do. And Jesus himself says it in these verses. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we say, well, God, how, Jesus, how are we supposed to do that? And he says it in the next verse. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And that helper that Jesus talking about, is talking about in that passage is the Holy Spirit. He says, here's the thing. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. I know you can't do it, so here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a helper, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who will come and dwell within you. And if you will not try harder, but if you will surrender your life to him, if you will submit your life to him, then by the power of the Spirit inside of you, the gap that exists between what you say you believe and the actions in your life will begin to come together as God's Spirit changes you and molds you and shapes you into the person that God has created you to be. See, living an active faith that works is a faith that works. Soren Kierkegaard was a theologian and philosopher, a Danish theologian and philosopher who lived in the early 19th century. And he wrote a series of parables. And in one of those parables... He talks about a town called Duckland. In Duckland, as you may, uh, may have guessed, was just filled with ducks. And he said, in the, in the community of Duckland, the ducks would go to church every single week. And they would get out of their houses, and the ducks would waddle down the street, and they would waddle uh, up to the church, maybe waddle through Dunkin' Donuts first, and then they would waddle up to church. And they, they waddle into their pew, and they would sit down in their pew, and they said, he says that the, the duck preacher would get up on the stage and would open up the duck scriptures and would look at the ducks and would say to the ducks, ducks, you can fly. You have wings. You can soar. And the ducks would look back at the duck preacher, and they would read in the duck Bible, and they would say, amen, we believe it. And then 
the church service would be over and the duck preacher would close the duck Bible and the ducks would get up and they would waddle out of the church and they would waddle back down the street and they would waddle back into their house. And here's the question I have for you this morning. Are you waddling in your faith? Because there's something much different in hearing the word of God and saying, I believe that it's true. I believe, God, that you can do anything. I believe that if I submit my entire life to you, that you will do more with it than I could ever do it on myself. I believe you that when you tell me that I'm supposed to give 10% of what I make, that that's a good thing and that you'll take care of me with the other 90%. I believe you that when you tell me I'm supposed to surrender my entire life to you and do what you want me to do, that I believe that that's true and I will do it. I believe what you say about life and living and all of those sorts of things. I believe that all of that is true. There's a big difference between being able to throw your hands up in church and say, I believe that it's all true, and then going out of the building and actually believing it enough to take flight in your faith. See, waddling is very ordinary. Very, very ordinary. Flight is majestic. And it is only when our faith, what we say we believe, and our actions, what we actually do, come together that our faith really takes off. And the question for us this morning is, where is it in your life and my life that I am putting up my hand and saying, God, I believe that this is true, and then I'm going through my life, and then, I, then I'm, I'm wondering if it's really true, and I'm not actually acting on it like it's true. It happens in our relationships. God, I believe what you say about everything that you have best in mind for me. I'm just not going to pay attention to it when I make friends and when I decide whom I'm going to date and whom I'm going to marry. Other than that, I believe that it's true. God, I believe what you say is true. I believe that it's true. But, you know, there's certain behaviors, certain sins that I just don't want to really get rid of in my life. And so I'm going to keep doing these things. But I believe that what you say is true, that you could help me with those things. But I'm just going to hang on to these for now. Where is the disconnect in your life and my life? See, God, I believe that you're going to take care of me. I believe that you're going to provide everything that I need, just like you said that you would. But I'm still going to handle everything the way I want to. Where does the disconnect in your life and my life exist between what God says is true And what we actually do. You know what James would say to us? In those places? See, it's easy to excuse it in ourselves. And I'll be honest with you, I can find the places in my life too. I know what God says, and I believe it. But it's tough to live out sometimes day to day. To truly trust God in all places and in all areas. James would come to me and he would say, those places where you say you trust God, but you really don't, your faith is dead. I can excuse that very easily in my life. I say, you know, God understands. I mean, this is hard. James would come to me and he would say, in that place, your faith is dead. It's not alive. It's dead. And for all of us, we have these places where we think that our faith is alive. We say that we believe, but really we have these dead spots in our faith. And I wonder where that is in your life this morning. Where is the place that you say that you believe, but your actions say something different? And would you this morning, not not resolve to try harder, not write something on a card that says, today I'm going to do better. 
but submit your life to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, God, if you want me to live this way, you need to help me. You want me to be able to do this, you need to change me. So I will submit my life to you, not just here in the church service this morning, but tomorrow morning when I get up, and the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that. I will submit everything that I have over to you so that you might do the work inside of me that I can't do on my own, and you might bring the way that I live in line with what I say I believe. That's the question for us this morning. Are we willing to surrender? We just sang it in a number of the songs that we sang this morning. That we're going to hold nothing back. That we'll surrender it all to Jesus Christ. Is that true? Are you willing to do it? I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we close this morning. And as we do, I'd invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And think about this with me for a moment. Where are those places that you're waddling in your faith this morning? That if I made a statement, you would be the the first person to say in your heart or even maybe throw up your hands, that's true, I believe it. But in your life and in your actions, you're saying something very different. We're not saying this morning that our works or our actions save us. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our willingness to put our trust in him, that is what saves us. But if we are saved, there ought to be some sort of tangible fruit in our lives that speaks to the fact that we believe that this is true. That there ought to be a direct correlation between what we say we believe and how we are living out our lives day to day. So where is that in your life? Would you take a moment even now to pray in your own heart and in your own mind and give that area over to God? Ask him that the spirit that dwells inside of you would take over and give you the strength and the power that you need to make that change. God, we pray that you would help us this morning to trust that what you say is true, to put our hope and our faith in you the way you call us to, and that our lives would be a reflection of what we say that we believe. For your honor and for your glory, God, that you would help us to defeat the power of sin in our lives, that where our faith is weak, that you would make it strong. We might honor you and glorify you in all that we do. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. Thank you that you do not hold these things against us, but you are ready to forgive and restore and redeem these areas in our lives. God, I pray even this morning that you will begin that work inside of us. That we would be able to live consistently and that we would have a living and active faith in you. 
pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So did I finish that swim? Just standing on the beach, ready to go. All these people, I believed, believe I was going to do it. I got out in that water, all those people kicking me. It was freezing cold. I got further than I did the year before, but I quit that thing. I wish I could tell you that I finished it. But there was a gap between what I believed I could do and what I could actually do. There's gaps in our lives between what we say we believe about who God is and what we actually do and how we live. We ought to find those. And just like we just sang, pray that God would give us the strength by his spirit to live the life that he calls us to live. So we gather together today to learn more about God and grow in our love for God and others now go. And live with an active faith, an active faith that not just believes what God says is true, but also acts on that belief. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and in Burlington, at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at MT Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.